everyone and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the Only Fools and Horses rewatch podcast with me, Bobby, and my brother, Jamie. Good afternoon, Jamie. Good afternoon. Nice, good effort. Got some more podcast fluid going on there. Yeah, a little bit of pod fluid. You, you pretty much always drink beers uh, when we do the pods. And I, I do sometimes, but I was... I'm feeling a bit dehydrated the last couple of times. Today is not one of those days, so cheers. Cheers, sir. Um, hello to everyone else. Um, welcome to uh, The Yellow Peril, um, Series 2, Episode 5. That's correct, yeah. Should we uh, end the cliffhanger? It wasn't a particularly exciting cliffhanger, because I'm sure most people oh, figured yeah, it out. Straight into the cliffhanger. So, uh, I forgot all about the cliffhanger. It, it's not much of a cliffhanger. It's simply the case of this, the, t- the name Yellow Peril. I don't know if that really rings any bells with you as a reference to anything else. Maybe not. No, I'm assuming it. I'm assuming it did have a reference when they wrote it, but I don't know. Yeah, so it, it's uh, it's basically it's a very offensive term. It was a term used uh, particularly uh, kind of coined in America, I believe, but it was in reference to like the you know quote unquote Eastern menace. Uh, and oh, it was really? a, so it's a racist term. That's what the yellow is referenced to, and the peril is, of course, a reference to the the danger of the of the East, uh, so like China, Japan, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, America were at war with Japan, England were at war with Korea. So it, it's an all kind of a that sort of it's a reference to that. So it it is a it is a definitely a, a derogatory term rooted in some negative connotations. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you know, this is a. This is a joking way of using it because there's no reference to any negativity towards any race at all. It's just uh, that they're, they're, they're in peril uh, and there's the colour yellow is in there and it's no actual reference to the ethnicity of the people there. Um, but yeah. of course, that is a there is a double joke there. So it wouldn't surprise me if one day this episode is renamed for some like Don't politically correct... Uh, p- scenes get cut all the time. I would not be surprised if this scene was renamed. If this whole episode is renamed one day, I'm not saying it should. I'm just, I'm just saying it would surprise me if it did. Yeah, like we're almost opening the podcast on a on a, on a negative note, but I think it's important to note that it's it's a positive, uh, joking spit, not a joking spit, and that almost sounds bad, but it is <laughs> turning something that was once not palatable to something that is. It's kind of like redefining the terminology. There yeah. we go. If you search for the yellow peril, maybe you might have found horrible stuff, and now you'll find funny only fools and horses. Yeah, episodes. you still mostly find horrible stuff if you Google it. Believe me, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, there is absolutely nothing offensive in the episode. It's just the title. Uh, that, that, that's but so let's move swiftly on. Uh, yeah, let's get let's get off this and get into the episode. Bloody hell. Let's do that. So we open and Del Boy is at a uh, Chinese takeaway having a chat with the owner about coming around to paint his kitchen because he's expecting visits from a health inspector. And, um, you know, they're, they're chatting away. It's a pretty short and, you know, it seemed just there to kind of set up the story. Uh, we meet Mr. Chin, who is uh, a very fun, jolly chap. Uh, I really like him in this episode. Um Sadly, no, not... Yeah, he's quite a good actor, actually. I thought I thought he was great. He, would, he did pretty pretty good job. Uh, I I did I did give him the old IMDb. He did lots of like smallish roles. I don't think any of them were massive. Uh, he is sadly no longer with us. Died uh, a few years ago at the kind of ripe old age. Right, right. Seventy odd. Chin, Mister Chin, 
chin chin is a chin chin's a cheers in uh, a language. It is Italian. Yeah. Isn't that salut? No, well, they they do say different stuff, but chin chin is like the modern younger kids thing that they say. But not I mean, there's younger kids. It's more colloquial, I guess, more slang. But right, they yeah, say yeah. chin chin more than they say uh, than they say whatever the other one is that may well be salut. I, I'm I think that's sure. French. No, salut is Italian. I'm confident. No, that one. So, sorry, French is santé. Santé, yeah, nice. I didn't, I didn't know that one. Yeah, well played. Anyway, um, so anyway, chin chin. <laughs> the, the one thing I did want to re- reference in this episode, obviously, there are quite a few French phrases throughout, which I'm sure we'll get through as we go. Oh, so many French phrases. Uh, yeah, it really was. But one, another thing there was a lot of, and there hasn't been that much of, but is a, it is a running joke with Dell, is there are loads of um, missaid English words. Like for example, loads. There's loads. There's so many. Like there's about (laughs) ten. I got bored of writing them down about halfway through the episode. The first one he does here is he says, um, "You know, we can't paint the kitchen today because we're off to the uh, the graveyard to um, you know remember the passing of our mother from this immortal curl." Obviously, he means mortal curl. Um, And there are loads of those throughout the episode, and it's just. Interesting. I don't remember there being that many of them. I know it's more of a thing, but it's just odd how they're just thrown in continually in this in this episode. They do kind of run away a little bit with um, with some of their core concepts. I think in this one, like the French phrases, I think there's four of them um, on there. But anyway, that that's not much of a noticeable scene. Um, the the next scene we move on to, um, we're outside again. Nice to be out in a, quite a summery British day by the look of it. And fresh air. Um, <laughs> Not in such a nice summary place, though, in the cemetery. But they're sitting down having a talk next to um, their mother's uh, monument. And then very quickly, it pans to see this monstrosity of a, of a monument. It is absolutely huge. Oh, it's a small church rather than a large grave. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely massive. What I don't get is on what planet could Dell, at the age of whatever he was, when about 20, 20-ish, when she died... Um, how in the world did they afford this? I mean, his dad was a wrong un. They had no money. That thing must have cost an absolute mint. No, it's made of fiberglass, wasn't it? That would make it more expensive, not cheaper. Uh, well, he probably knew somebody in the business. You think fiberglass is cheaper than carved stone? Maybe not, but I think using fiberglass to have it moulded into graves would have been because, first big tangent, I googled this, fiberglass graves. <laughs> I was just about to cut you off because we don't need to go there. And go on, what have you got? I'm going to go there. So I, I could not believe the absolute cheek of this. So I was googling it to see if it was a thing, and it's a thing, and it's a very, very, very new thing. In fact, it's so new. One of the articles I found from 2013 was a bloke who had this long article of him being interviewed, basically claiming that he had an epiphany a couple of years previously, so in like the late 2010s. Um, about having fiberglass graves and how fiberglass tombstones, and it was a this brand new revolutionary idea he'd had, and he was starting up a business making fiberglass tombstones. It's like it's a major episode of one of Britain's most well-known shows ever. Thirty years previously, this is not a revelation, sir. I mean, it is a single-word, one-line joke from one episode in, in the whole series. But yeah, sure. I've always remembered um, it. The gravestone was made of fiberglass because I kind of don't get the joke completely in as much as I don't know if fiberglass was a expensive thing then, if it was a cheap thing. I, I don't know how the whole... But no. now it's an expensive thing. It's seen as a luxury because, you know, it doesn't weather as well and stuff and, and all that sort of stuff. But, it, you know, 
It's funny because actually my first note is it's a stroke of genius to use fiberglass. Like my my uh, initial thought was that you could achieve it for less money than carved stone, which made it more affordable. And I was like, that's pretty clever. I don't know how you'd make it with fiberglass though. Molds. Yeah, yeah, molds. A sure. Massive, massive, complicated mold that still wasn't cheap. No, no, I'm sure, but still cheaper than stone. Anyway. Anyway, yes, yeah, so Rodney's being a little bit insensitive um, at this uh, moment. And I think this is pretty cool. What, what they've done very early here uh, is they're addressing um, all these kind of mixed up feelings. And although it's a little bit spoon fed in regards to it's clearly it's serving its purpose, we we do very quickly get to understand that Rodney doesn't have much emotional attachment to his mum. She was gone before, and that's the whole idea. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have anything there to be able to associate with his mother. It's just through what Dell tells him, and it just kind of works nicely. And and, and it's very, uh, it's very easy. Serves a purpose. Gets down to the point. But we get what we need from from that uh, first intro. I think the the line that does it, and it's such a brilliantly written line, is when he says, "Now look, Dell." I didn't know Mum that well, did I? When she died, I was just a little nipperoonie, all odd socks and eczema. <laughs> now you feel a sense of personal loss. Me, I just feel cheated. Uh, and I thought that was incredibly poetic. I mean, he says it was uh, 17 years ago that she died, so Rodney would have been six, as we found out he was 23 in the previous episode. So, you know, you can kind of understand Rodney's perspective from that point. Um, really, really nicely written. Yeah, I mean, only fools does go but serious, but I don't think that we go particularly serious um, when we when we talk about the stuff. But um, but that was that was quite a, just a good moment that there was a little bit of laughs in there, but it was clearly serving a, a purpose more than than injecting um, the comedy in there. So, so uh, after saying that he doesn't really remember her at all, uh, Dell obviously talks a bit about her and uh, describes her and some of her maybe questionable parenting techniques uh, I think parenting has maybe changed a little bit uh, it's uh, I found the whole thing quite quite funny yeah I mean just just before that we get what the first of a few French phrases uh, tres bien en somme which is very well we are in case you were curious um, but yeah what you're saying about <laughs> I actually had to look up a couple of the things so a simulated beaver skin I mean I could I could have pictured it but I did google it and it is one, one of those classically very heavy quite dark um, coats okay, big yeah. and fluffy so now I, I'm picturing her which I probably never did before um, but she's where she's that she's having a, a rum and pep do you know what rum and I pep is? I've not got a clue is it Dr Pepper? No, uh, peppermint cordial. What? So this is clearly yeah. where Dale's drinking uh, habits came from. I mean, rum and mint—they could work. Rum and mint could work. I mean, yeah, no. I mean, I'm sure it works, but it doesn't sound great. Not in pepper. I'm, I'm sure in a in a cocktail there was like a you know you could put. I mean, a mojito is white rum and got mint in it, so that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, mm. But just like a peppermint cordial in a rum. Nah. It's like a deconstructed mojito <laughs> or a processed one. Anyway, um, so she's got that in one hand. Um, she's got some cigarettes in the other, a 20-pack of whatever they said, senior players or whatever. Um, and she's sending over drinks to Dell, 
um, at only 14 or however old he is. So we get a pretty a pretty bang on image of uh, Rodney's outside in the pram. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's legit or not. I think he's taking the piss. I'm not sure. <laughs> People yeah, did leave Rodney kids said... around, lying around in prams a lot, I think, back then. Yeah, but he says like really, and he said it wasn't. Uh, he said it wasn't. It wasn't expensive pram, and then he says, "Oh, I'm just taking the piss away." He says, "He says I'm taking the piss in terms of I was definitely what she was worried about you." Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. But I think he was left outside while they were on the piss. Doesn't sound like parent of the year, but does sound like someone that I wouldn't mind having a drink with. Uh, I'm sure she'd be uh, game for a laugh, but <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I certainly won't be. Uh, Listening to those parenting tips. No. Um, Dell's talking about all the nice weather and the, the the lovely day that it is and, and slips in that Rodney is painting a Chinese takeaway. Um, after a bit of to and froing and finally getting around to uh, to what it is that he said while he's half dozed, um, Rodney basically just goes off on one. Um, and it was at this point, like you've certainly slagged off Rodney quite a lot um in this podcast yeah. and i think that's probably now made me see things more so than i already thought and i, I do i do rodney isn't he's not a bad person but it is funny that he hasn't got a job you know, it, you don't see that he's ever trying to do anything about it but assuming that there's quite a lot unemployed it probably is hard but i mean i've done a lot of traveling and i've done a ridiculous amount of jobs and some not desirable but when you have no money like someone says do you want to get 20 40 50 100 quid for doing this shit job like well yeah cheers i mean i'm not going to complain at essentially being gifted work what else is he going to be doing yeah exactly (laughs) he's sitting on his ass doing nothing he's got a nice little learner he's got a paint i mean painting is not a hard and or horrible job certainly in relation to being out on the street talking to people and the first thing he does is you think i'm gonna be painting the the inside of some grotty chinese takeaway got nothing coming i'll be like no well i'll have it mate cheers i'll, I'll yeah, take that I'll money I'll have have a job. Cheers. It. yeah isn't it? <laughs> go and have a few pints and a prawn cracker cheers yeah just... so anyway just it just it was just like yeah does he need to be that obtuse all the time just take it mate yeah it's, it's uh, and you know it takes very little in the end to be talked round and we have to say the thing that does talk around in the end odd was uh, a lend of del boy's dirty books <laughs> yeah his his jazz man <laughs> yeah. fucking hell that's uh... i i i actually i actually misremembered this i thought he was going to say i'll give you 50 quid but that was, I think that was from a, a different episode. But he says, yeah, give you dirty mags and he he tears his hand off. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Because I, I think there's something particularly tragic about loaned jazz mags. It's from your older brother, your 13-year-old older brother. Yeah, that's weird. It's really, really weird. Yeah, I wouldn't be jumping at that. I'd be like, no, I'll, I'll do it if you don't ever show them to me. <laughs> yeah, buy me a new one or no. <laughs> yeah. Did he not think that maybe with the money he could just buy his own? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think we, we should mention that. one other thing from this scene, which is uh, again uh, a regular go-to on the show, which is Del Boy talking about uh, their mother's deathbed and death. Well, I wondered if this was the first mention because I know that they, he he said in one of the in I think Big Brother. 
you said uh, mum would be turning in her grave. But like you say, this is one of the reoccurring things, and I think think this is the first time we've had it. it might be the first deathbed one, yeah. Mum, t- uh, mum told me on her deathbed quotes. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, a thing that we see much more of, and Dell does just use it for emotional blackmail, and it's not really successful this time. But sometimes it can be very successful. Uh, but it's definitely a, a recurring, a recurring thing for Dell. Some something else as, as well that I thought was quite uh, apt because of our situation I actually wrote that we get a bit of sort of brotherly love here uh, brotherly love uh, I nearly nearly said that I loved you then but that would have been weird um, what the so, f- where did that come from <laughs> <laughs> um, so what Del uh, Del says that every, uh, half of everything that he has is uh, is Rodney's and Rodney goes off on one with some hypotheticals asking him if he would give him half of this that and the other and then moves on to two deep sea dive watches that he knows that Dell has, and then when Dell offers it to him, he goes, "No, I don't want it." <laughs> yeah. To be to be fair though, for Rodney, this is classic Dell. Like we've said before, he is he is a bit of a hero. He does look after Rodney, and Rodney would be completely screwed without him. However, for Dell Boy to claim that everything is fifty fifty straight down the middle, I mean, you've only got to look at the pair of them. To yeah, know that everything sure. is not split right down the middle. We see the way they split the money later in the episode. It is not split right down the middle. So Del Boy is absolutely talking out of his ass. Uh so I think Roddy's right to take him up on it and it, it's good that he comes he tricks him into that deep sea divers watch thing. Because Del Boy definitely th- likes to think of himself as a saint and while he does do saintly things, he also does many devilishly thing devilish devilish devilishy? Yeah, he does many things that are devil-like. And uh, it's funny because we we ended the last episode saying that that he is a hero. Um, But the the thing is that when when you get the pros and the cons and the pluses and the minus, we do end up in a big plus. Dale is definitely a hero with a big heart, but his, his opinion of himself is probably... A lot, a lot more uh, positive and generous and equal than than what he actually is. Even though he is a hero, taking a bullet for someone, which he does, kind of in the last episode, is one thing. But it's not like he's always, always dragging him up and and kind of helping him along. Like he does, he does do him up a little bit. But then, like you said, Rodney's also a lazy bastard. So quite frankly, I think it's a fair split. So we close that one off, and scene three, um, they're heading towards the takeaway, and <laughs> Del opens the door um, to Granddad huddled in the back of the van, looking. He looks like a dog who's been told off. Like he's got these big puppy eyes. <laughs> and it's just brilliant, and I think it's like proper harsh. Like why isn't Rodney in the back? I know he's taller, but as if you would stick your how old is Leonard Pierce? Sixty something. I mean. And his character, 70-something. Oh, God, he can't be more than um, that. As if you stick him in the back of a van. And there's a great line. What's that look for? You can't expect me to paint with my feet, Del boy. I don't expect you to paint with your feet. I expect you to mix up, sweep up, and hold the ladders for young Rembrandt here. All right? Come on. <laughs> Just, it was Even though I knew it was coming, it still kind of <laughs> caught me off guard. It was a great line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's very good. Um, so they walk into the kitchen that they're going to be painting, and they discuss how absolutely horrific it is. 
quite frankly, I think it could have been a lot more horrific. I just thought the set was really good. Realistically, I don't know how many kitchens you've gone into and worked in. I know you've you've done a little bit of restaurants, but compared to any kitchen I've ever been in, it was horrid. I mean, don't be wrong, you couldn't legally serve from it. (laughs) But I thought the set did look really good. I thought it looked like a genuine kitchen that genuinely looked dirty. And even though it was clearly, again, a low-budget, possibly, probably purpose-built set, I thought it looked quite good. Yeah, I thought it looked the right amount of horrible for what it should look. I don't know if it looked quite as horrible as Rodney made it out to be, but yeah, I mean, it was a grotty, a grotty takeaway kitchen. It's kind of what I imagine uh, grotty takeaway kitchens look like even now, quite frankly. Although I'm sure these days they're much better. I mean, no, no restaurant kitchen, of course, could ever could ever be anything like that. But it's kind of what you imagine that dodgy takeaway kitchen sometimes being like that. You wonder if they. Uh, They've quite got the same level. It must be super far, uh, few and far between these days, but I'm sure they they uh, they do exist. Definitely. So we'll drop in a new uh, feature, a really really good sample from the episode. We spoke about uh, Granddad getting some of the killer lines. So this is going to be the the first of our Leonard's legendary lines. Don't you worry, Jill. Leave it to me. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice indeed. Can't even get his brush in him. He can't even work that little problem out. Oh, go on. Tell him how to do it, Granddad. You get a pair of scissors and trim your brush up. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't get a pair of scissors and trim your brush up. Uh, so I really liked that little bit there, just because... I think it's a really good little IQ test for the three of them. Like it, sho- <laughs> it, it shows why Dell is the is the man who makes all the money and has all the ideas. Because Rodney looks at these, he's like, "Oh, what do I do with these little tins?" Doesn't know what to do. Granddad has an idea, to be fair, but it's a shit one. And <laughs> Dell has got the actual solution. It's a great little IQ test, and I think it, it's a really good little uh, dynamic to explain why. Dell is Dell runs this show. To be fair, I, I actually think that Dell is not not full of nails, and I don't associate him with having an IQ. But that is a brilliant analogy, and he definitely wins the um, the uh, lateral thinking test in in that in definitely. That scene. Um, after a bit of chatting some more shit, uh, Rodney is convinced as always that the uh, that the paint is is stolen. I mean. Of all the stuff that he handles that's stolen, is paint really a fucking worry? I mean, I mean, (laughs) I'm not even going to go anymore over that. I'm going to just finish (laughs) that there. It's always Um, nicked. Get over it. Yeah. Um, We get the first of the, oh no, not the first, second of the French phrases, uh, creme de menthe. I mean, we all know what creme de menthe is. A little bit of creamy, creamy mint liqueur. It's a second Um, reference uh, to mint liqueur today. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, uh, Mr. Chin comes walking in, asking Dell uh, about what uh, colour he wants to do the restaurant. And this is a really nice, uh, he's sort of arm round Mr. Chin, trying to uh, delay and play for time while Rodney's trying to get the tin out. And he's like, I've got the lid off yet? And it's quite, uh, it's quite funny as he's finally getting there. What I thought, what, and you can shoot me down in flames in this one if you like, you know what I mean? What I, have you got the lid off yet? No. Yeah. Well, you see, what I thought, the colour these walls should be... Blue. What? I like blue. Blue. Ah, blue. Just sans frontiers. 
That is exactly what I thought. I thought, why don't we paint these walls a nice, subtle shade of blue? What shade of blue? Yellow. And then I changed my mind. I, I find that whole little thing a really nice little standalone comedy sketch. Again, we sort of try this again. There's a lot of episodes. Like, it's just a very watching Dell kill for time. Rodney desperately trying to get the lid off. I, I think that's a really good little bit. And this is the best bit when Rodney does say the colour and then Dell just disagrees with it anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's yellow. It is gold. <laughs> After that little colour bit, um, they start to interrogate me. Well, Rodney asks Mr Chin, how do you know you need your kitchen painted? And he tells this great story about what, how he knows why he needs his kitchen painted. I had a telephone call from a man. He did not give me his name. <laughs> He tells me, get your kitchen painted or you'll be in big trouble, John. Huh? <laughs> John. What I really, really enjoyed about this scene was you almost see uh, the actor playing Mr. Chin break. When oh, yeah? With just how much the audience are laughing. Just when he says he did not tell me his name, he does this fantastic comic pause as the audience laughs and he holds his face tries to keep it still but you see him going and it's just oh, absolutely yeah? hilarious it's on uh i think get a timestamp for you it's uh, about yeah, you six, time, watch 16 it. minutes bang on i think <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does it's a little smirk it's brilliant oh well, if you're watching at home just look at exactly 16 minutes it's brilliant i'm really glad you noticed that it's so good. I, he's I, held that really well. Yeah, I his pause and that like stillness is fantastic, and he delivers the rest of the line on point. Great physicality. Uh, I really love that actor. I, I, want, I wonder if he's up. putting on his uh, if he's putting on his accent if he's actually uh, an Englishman because it, it kind of makes me feel like that when I see. Yeah, like that. I think he's definitely a case of at least being turned up. Um, it's uh, you know he can never. Obviously, difficult to tell, but uh, yeah, I get, I get the feeling it's maybe turned up. But... Good, good spot, good find. Yeah, uh, get another French phrase: uh, sans frontières," which is a uh, game without borders. Sure, no worries. What, I don't even know the it? context, huh? What? Yeah, what's the context? What did he say? Yeah, I don't even know the context of when it was. I've just written it down. <laughs> those... I was like, I was trying to write notes while I was happening, and it was I couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> um, I think he says it as he's walking out the uh, the door with Mister uh, Mister Chin. But either way, he's using it to reassert some sort of uh, intelligence or higher brow to Mister Chin, and assuring him that all will be fine. I mean, so what we've worked out by this point is the entire thing is one great setup by Dell because he has got hold of this paint, he's found someone, and then he's contacted him to convince him that he needs his kitchen painted and he's also providing the labourers to paint his kitchen. I mean, it's actually genius when you think about but it. I said exactly the same thing. I said uh, that that Dell, uh, he, he just sees an opportunity to get some cheap paint but with nothing to do with it. So he goes and creates an opportunity, like that is. He doesn't is just perfect. he doesn't just sell it. He upsells by adding lab- by adding labour. Yeah, brilliant, uh, genius. Just, uh, business one hundred and one. Absolutely, uh, absolutely smashed it. Love it. We get something a little bit different now. We're going to get a little Chinese phrase. That's obviously a lot more elaborate than than what the Chinese phrase. He literally says chow mein. It's not even that interesting. But I just want an excuse to stick in a Chinese. 
uh, kind of thing in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they got our first Chinese phrase. Maybe he does, or oh, there's some German later. Maybe I'll just do some different random phrase music because he likes to pretend he can speak any language. Anyway, that's the end of that scene. Time to move on to scene four. So now we're back at the flat. Rodney and Grandad have just done a couple of days hard graft painting the uh, kitchen. And they're wondering where Dell is because Dell's been off on his own little side project, it seems, for the last couple of days. Well, one of the things about this is Rodney seems to believe that Dell was like, on the take as it was. I mean, well, we do a lot of Rodney bashing. We really do. It's well, easy, we we, yeah, <laughs> it is so easy, but I, I think you've just poisoned my mind. But uh, but he thinks Dell's on the take. It's Dell's business. It's his prerogative. He could do every bloody well once. Like all of the money coming in is Dell's. If he is keeping it for himself, it's his unlucky mate. Go out, get off your ass, and do something. I yeah. just think it's suspicious. I think it's completely unnecessary suspicion. Yeah, it's very odd. And also the way it's like kind of us out, like Grandad's also an essential part of the team. I mean, most of the time he just sits there and burns dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually Rodney does, uh, sorry, Del Boy does come home and uh, he asks for the money, make sure they're getting paid. And you see him divide up the money. Uh, I think it was Grandad gets, of the 150 quid they're being paid for, paid to paint this takeaway, Grandad was given 35. Rodney was given. 40, which meant Delboy gave himself a nice little cheeky 50% cut, which, despite doing none of the labour, he 100% deserves. Yeah, exactly. Like He genuinely does deserve that as well. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that uh, Del gives to Rodney to help appease him is a deep-sea diver's watch, uh, which he says don't get in the water. Would you like one of these? <clears throat> um, well, in, in a few minutes, they they come back to it again um, and it's just like, this is bullshit. I mean, so I've never really said it, but one of the things that that, that I do is I, I am a diver and uh, a diving instructor. So diving is one of my biggest passions in life. Um, deep sea divers or divers watches now do have the ability to tell you how much air you have, not oxygen. Common misconception. Um, just a bit of stuff there. We don't breathe oxygen, we breathe air. Um, but it works on like a Bluetooth to your tank. In 1985, it almost definitely could not tell you that you're out of oxygen. Like, I don't know how theoretically that could ever happen. Yeah, I don't. But either way, because it, it definitely couldn't read what's going on in the tank. So, would it be, just be telling you there's no oxygen around? Because obviously, if you're in the water. Of course, there's no air around. We know this. We don't need to watch. No, I mean, I could explain how it could theoretically work, um, but it's just basically estimating your time depending on how much you use so it'd be a separate timer and it, it certainly wouldn't oh, yeah. have could, something could, yeah it could just be a timer couldn't it that is true but, but it wouldn't yeah but it, it wouldn't have a thing flashing saying no oxygen and or nowhere as it would be but just in case and if my diving friends are listening to it i, I just have to clear that up because that it would be other it'd be uh in proper not to do so but anyway diving out of the way um we get trigger trigger comes in um trigger does look really young it does um, Roger Lloyd Pack? Um, it's funny. Dell doesn't seem to age nearly as much um, as some of the others, but Rodney and Trigger do look really, really young in these episodes for sure. Um, but it's nice to have uh, to to have Trig back. I think the first thing I come... notice when when Trigger enters the room 
is uh, Del Boy gets up to answer the door and Grandad slips into his chair. And yeah, that's like yeah. a little joke. He's like, oh, he's on a chair. Why have they only got two chairs? There's three of them. Just have three chairs. They've got the sofa, haven't they? It was fucking miles away from the telly. <laughs> I mean, the fact they're fighting over chairs, and there's only three of them, have one more chair. Yeah. What house doesn't have enough seating places around the TV for the number of people that live in that house? Yeah, there's never all three of them there at the same time, though. Like, I genuinely, mean... Christmas. That was, like, the only time. <laughs> yeah, and that stood out, yeah. But they should have three chairs. That was my point. Um, and it's funny because Trigger's character does develop quite a lot. He in these early episodes, I mean, it's series two now, but still in the in the in the more early early series, he is going out and he's stealing shit, um, quite literally a criminal. Whereas later on, he becomes a very softly sort of nice guy. So there's it, definitely a bit of a progression for his character there. Yeah, well we've talked but, about Trigger's character quite a few times and how he, he varies in different episodes and over times. This is definitely um thug uh criminal trigger. Mm. Um and he's Del is trying to uh trying to quieten Trigg's story about how he got the paint which he's stolen from British Rail. Um Rodney Inevitably flies off the handlebars because Dell's lied to him, and uh, Dell. This is I was quite, I actually wrote down that I wanted to sample it while it was happening, oh my God, but it then goes it goes on, on for minutes, minutes and minutes. Dell trying to. Uh, I, I don't know if we can even play like just the last little bit. I don't know if it no, would work. Bollocks. But... It goes on forever, <laughs> and you need the uh, whole thing because the whole thing is just the, the the joke of his little ramble about why stealing paint is a good thing. The whole point is it's meant to be such a ramble. You lose what he's talking about, why he's talking about. It's not nearly as funny as it should be for how long it takes. No. But it ends with uh, it ends with ends with it helping the homeless or something like that. That's the end of well, the. It's good. Uh, it's good for Britain. That's that's the the thing. Yeah. Stealing paint from British Rail is good for Britain. And so, just as he's finishing that, um, <laughs> we get a really good crossover of words here. Um, as uh, as Grandad has an epiphany. He said they use that stuff to paint signs in tunnels. Well, how can you see a sign in a tunnel? It's black, isn't it? No, this is luminous paint. <laughs> it's luminous, Grandad. That means you can see in the luminous. Really funny bit, and and just as that ends, uh, we get a phone call, and we we cut to uh, Mr. Chin and Restaurant um, wearing sunglasses, and. Possibly the most appalling edit, uh, extras acting so far. These yeah. two Chinese guys, like completely overacting the fact that the walls are clearly illuminous yellow. I mean, to be fair, it would be mental, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's just it's just really overacted and looks like looks ridiculous. Yeah. Um, They've just been told but, to look at each other and point at stuff, and they yeah. do just that and nothing more. But what what seems a bit weird? It, it seems like a funny joke, like he's misdirecting. And Rodney says, oh, does does Mr. Chin want his money back? Adele says, no, he wants me to come and do his living room next week or something. Mm. And it sounds like he's taking a piss, like being sarcastic. No, he but generally he, does. But then he walks in the trigger and was like, I'll get some more paint. Yeah, no, he's completely serious. Why? Who would want their living room in that shit? Because it's energy saving. No, it's not. <laughs> it is. <laughs> what it is is ghostly bright <laughs> and, and obstructively horrible. It's just... just well, if if it's luminous, it's all relevant to how... This is one thing they don't really think. The paint on its own wouldn't 
they call it luminous, which means it brightens no, itself, but it's it not really. Its own light, no. no, it's reflective, right? It's, so it's all yeah. it's all relative to the amount of light you shine. So what you could do, if you had it in your living room or kitchen or whatever, if the entire room was painted with luminous paint, you could just have a very dim light light the room, and that because of the luminousness, it yeah. would the and, room would be and very bright. The day when that massive ball of gas, a.k.a. the sun, shines unrelentlessly into the living room and you don't have control of it. It would be quite bright. Yeah, you <laughs> wouldn't be able to see. Just close your curtains. Anyway, so, so he decides that he, that he does want the paint because Mr. Chin's a bloody madman. <laughs> um, but then realises that he's done something really, really stupid. I, I will just reference one little thing because I have to. I have to yeah. reference it. Uh, and that is... Uh, they talk about where they get the paint from, and Trigger says Stockholm. And then, de- yeah, well, he's joking, obviously, but he's he's on the phone to Mister Chin. He's like, "Oh yes, yeah, this new energy saving paint from uh, 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 Stockholm." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Because the Norwegians lead the world in paint technology." Uh, I can't let that slide without pointing out that uh, the level of offence Norwegians take from being confused with the Swedes. It's like up there with the Scottish and the. British and the Welsh and Irish, like or Americans and Canadians, you know. It's but a I big think that's thing. part of the joke. Isn't no, of course it, it's that... a joke. That's the idea. Uh, so it's all good. But I, I just thought I'd, I had to reference the joke as a resident Norwegian. It was a little, you know, we got the little Basingstoke uh, reference in in a couple of early episodes. Here's our Norway reference. What was the thing I heard the other day about? Um... It would work really, really well if I could remember it, but I can't. But something about explaining the joke. Did you say that the last episode? Yeah, the frog thing. What was it? Yeah, explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog. No one one learns anything, the frog dies. (laughs) You said that in another episode. Yeah, I did, yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm just going to reference that again. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Just say dying frog, and I think that could be a new thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what you're doing is just explaining the joke, a bit like your dissected frog from uh, a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I think like, we should have a little dying frog noise to to end fill a silence whenever we do that. Whenever we explain a joke, make and, it less funny than it was. Yes, which to I be think. honest is is actually the the entire remit of this podcast. So maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to explain some jokes, really. <laughs> <laughs> really squeeze the juice out. <laughs> and so now we're ready for the big finale. Dell takes me on a trip, saying you got to come and see what I've done. I was wondering if uh, it's always it's always hard making this comparison because seeing if the first time as a kid, there's I have no lateral thinking. I could never um, objectively predict the end of the joke. But I was trying to wonder if, as an adult or the audience, if they knew what was coming. Like there's, as they're getting there's close, there's, in there's, the audience. I think, pe- yeah, I think clearly a few audience members yeah, are having people their are working it out in the crowd for sure. And then when they finally do reveal, it's it's painfully obvious what's happened, and we get a really nice big laugh. And and this is this is one of those big classic playoffs, and it does look really good. I don't know how they've illumined it. I mean, it doesn't matter the fact that it wouldn't happen because there's no light on it. Um, so it's it is. It is not possible what's happening, but nevertheless, it is hilarious. And how they've achieved it as a prop, um, I think, is is uh, is quite funny because it does I, look I quite thought, good. But I, I almost remember watching it previously and feeling like I almost saw string coming to it. It is like they just held 
uh, a brightly painted like pendant in front of a camera. Uh, but I didn't see that this time, so I think maybe I've imagined that. But I think that's all they've done is they've made a tiny, a, a miniature model because it's literally black. You can you scale it, it. There's no scale reference, so they've and you can't see the ground or anything. There's literally black and then the grave. So I'm pretty sure you just see. Um, yeah, it, it probably is quite clever editing because um, essentially it's overexposed, so there's no detail in it, which means it could be a tiny little thing. Um, yeah, there's absolutely oh, no. no the second shot. Actually the second is a shot is, bit... is is clear. That's what's really weird. They do one. They do one shot which is really, really out of focus, and you go, "Oh, they've done that, so you can't see it too clearly." But then they go back to it, and you can see it really well. It's because it's a depth of field shot. So that the first shot they have the bars in, so you get the feeling that you're looking through the bars, and to expose for the bars. It would you would have to shine light on it. That's why you can. This is really boring um, for anyone that's <laughs> listening. But one of the things that I, I do is photography and videography. So what they're doing is they're shining light on the bars so we can see the bars. And to do that, you'd have to have the camera very uh, exposed for the bars, which would overexpose it. And then when it goes to the second shot, it's now looking directly at it. So you're they're exposing for that, which gives the detail. So when it shows the detail. Uh, there actually does look quite big like they've um at the end of the day they had the prop for the uh for the grave so they probably have used the same prop i feel like they've just gone they've gone and found the most audacious grave they could find in a graveyard and they've used that and then this is a little model they've made that they've painted yellow i I think they've used the same prop because all all it is it it, doesn't haven't painted it it's just the it's just the light yeah that is true it is is just a light shining on it Um, isn't it I'm just going to quickly scroll. Oh, I happened to click it at exactly the right moment in the graveyard. Um, yeah, I, I would say that that prop in the graveyard has been purposely built, and then they probably use the same prop for the uh, um, for the end. But you're right; it's definitely just a fancy light, isn't it? They've not painted it; it's just a light. Yeah, it's a light shining, uh, mm. shining onto it. Wow! Well, um, yeah, we overdid that one, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, probably don't need to go that far into production, but that that does interest me. A, a, a little bit on there but uh so yeah the big reveal um a very classic uh fucking else a classic again get that get out of the fucking thesaurus <laughs> um really well remembered big reveals um from only fools um i still think i, I think it's the, probably the biggest one from the first couple of series and uh it's gonna set the tone for some some F episodes in the next couple of series for sure so the yellow peril um what are your thoughts bob uh, i enjoyed it uh i think it was more of a return to style than the previous episode which was a, a bit of an outlier uh funny 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 extra character in mr chin i thought it was great triggers there good uh, more, more like joke heavy and and stuff. I thought, especially, uh, especially in a, in a few of the scenes. No, when I mean, you got that one heartfelt scene, obviously in the it graveyard. Was... But apart from that, it is it's more kind of just easy, easy enjoyable comedy. Uh, so I, I like that. It wasn't a it wasn't a serious episode. The last episode dealt with a really 
serious story, um, quite not elaborate but well detailed, loads of stuff going on. This was it was almost a joke. It was almost a slapstick sort of idea, you know, painting a restaurant a luminous paint. Um, it was it was a lot less serious, which you know it's good episode ordering um, that you don't have those two things next to each other to allow for it to be mixed up. Um, I think if I think about every episode that we look at um that we've seen so far i think that um this episode although lo- a losing streak is personal to us this is the the most memorable or standout episode and i'm going to say classic episode so far and it was funny it was it was bloody funny i i love watching it I, it was definitely more enjoyable and more laugh out loud funny than uh, than the previous I think the, net, the the only episode that kind of, although again that had maybe a bit more heartfelt moments, and then the episode previous to this that still stands out a bit more has to be the Russians are coming. Uh, maybe as a as a more remembered episode, but this is definitely right up there and a really a really good solid episode. It's one of those standalone episodes that you could show anyone that they've never seen. I mean, every episode you can kind of do that, but I think this one a bit more. So you could show anyone they don't have to know any anything else about their characters because they explain all the, the small amount of background you need. And yeah, I, I think it's a great episode. I really enjoyed it. So a great uh, a great episode. Um, really enjoyed that one. Um, looking forward to. Uh, Episode six, which is it never rains. Oh, I think it's going to be another is, unique. Is this when they? Is this when they go to? Is this when they go to Benidorm? That is correct. So this is another very Brilliant. unique episode. Uh, it's funny. It's it's no wonder we forget no greater love, given that it's sandwiched between two very memorable episodes. Um, yeah, but realistically, uh, Long Legs of the Law. We loved that. That was like a whole different show. It just accelerated series two. Losing streak. Yellow peril brilliant brilliant never rains awesome uh no greater love is really not not holding up to the the standard of series two no no i definitely think not I, i'm looking forward to a never rains i think that's uh yeah that that's in one of us in the, the medium category in terms of how well i remember it I, that's one of those where there's going to be scenes and bits in it that i've definitely forgotten uh so i'm really looking forward to that one. i think it's gonna be a great episode I just remember the opening scene straight away with uh that's all I can think of when I see that episode is Rodney's got a stupid hat on and it's raining. So we'll find out everything else that happens after that um next week. Thanks as always for joining us. Um I hope you've uh, enjoyed our musings for the Yellow Peril. As always some topical music. Uh we're gonna go for John that Kaiser Neptune, a song called Golden Lotus, um with reference to the and restaurant of Mr. Chin and uh, yeah see you next week won't see you next week I'll listen to, you'll, you'll hear us next week we won't see you but no we will never see you that's not how this medium works yeah no. so uh, won't see you next week we'll just you bye. will hear us if you decide to next week possibly you'll hear us if you decide to next week you'll hear us at some time in the future probably bye Jamie thanks very much for listening to the podcast if you'd like to get in touch with us you can find us on facebook forward slash only fools brothers or on twitter we're at only fools bros or if you want to send us a longer message you can email us at only fools brothers at gmail.com 
Also really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye.